get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions. We'll dive into education issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Seydorf. Well, it's my pleasure to be able to spend some time with the incoming president of the Arizona Rural Schools Association. Mr. Sean Rickard is the superintendent of the Pima Unified School District here in Arizona, and he has been working with ARSA for at least a decade and has held a variety of different posts within the organization. And I'm really excited, Sean, to be able to uh, to get a chance to introduce you to our membership and talk a little bit about your goals for your presidency and, and hear more about uh, the good things that are going to be happening with ARSA this upcoming year. So good morning. Good morning, Melissa. It's awfully nice to, to have this opportunity. I, I appreciate taking the time. Um, yeah, it's you know, it's uh, one of those things that I'm deeply passionate about, and uh, I really you know love talking about. So this this should be a joy. Well, I'm glad that we're able to spend the time. So I'm I'm going to start out with something probably pretty easy, and that is, uh, how did you get involved with the Arizona Rural Schools Association? What has your journey been like? So you know, back in back in 2012. Uh, when I, I don't know if I stepped into the superintendency or I stumbled into the superintendency, mm. um, but I, I found myself, you know, with, with that set of responsibilities and, you know, there's, there's a lot of conferences, you know, it's one of those things you go from being a, a teacher or a principal, um, and you don't really go to a lot of conferences and all of a sudden you're a superintendent and you're constantly being bombarded with, you know, demands on your time for, attending this this meeting or that meeting many of them you know some regional some statewide some national and and i asked a mentor of mine um you know many many people around the state remember uh dr mike elstock mm-hmm. um, and so he was my my mentor and i asked him, i said which which of these conferences should i go to and his advice was that you know be selective but never miss the Arizona Rural Schools Association's conference in Flagstaff. So that that really kind of kicked off, you know, my my participation, my my attendance at the conference um, in in 2012, and uh, and by 2014, I recognized that this really was a a place I wanted to spend more time, um, and so I started getting involved with the executive board. Uh, this was back when. Uh, uh, Bill Blong was was leaving, and Don and Connie German were were stepping in, um, mm-hmm. and so you know, kind of got involved from there, and, and it's just it's been a, a roller coaster ride ever since. So, 
Well, I, we have some exciting things on the horizon for, for ARSA. Uh, not only are you taking over as president, but um, I've taken over as executive director, and I'm really excited to be able to work with you in that venue to really um, promote rural education across the state and, and uh, making sure that we're elevating rural voices from across um, our rural school communities. Um what are your primary goals for ARSA as we start this this new calendar year? Well, um, you know, I I love to bring people together to have conversations about the needs of rural schools, uh, especially in Arizona. So for me, uh, that's really my goal, uh, and it's. It's kind of an extension of the work that that you and I have done, you know, bringing together the superintendents roundtables, um, you know, the work you've done with the podcast, uh, the the work we did with, uh, you know, putting together the the winter uh, advocacy workshop that we did last week. That's my goal is to to help bring the bring people together. You know, that's that's why uh, that's why we moved the day to the conference. Um, you know, to to a, a date that's a little bit further away from from some of the other big conferences that that rural leaders have to attend, so that they don't feel like everything's stacked up. Um, you know, we just we want to bring uh, bring people together and make sure that. And then once we get them together, then the next ask is to make sure that what we uh, can share with them uh, is is both you know wonderful networking opportunities and meaningful content. Uh, that, that we can, you know, bring people to the table to share information with them uh, that helps them to address those needs. And so, you know, that's that's a lot of a lot of the the focus you now that that over the next two years, as, as it's been over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and I want to frame this question by. Um, addressing the mission and vision that ARSA has, because I think it's it speaks directly to what we've been doing and what you are planning to continue to do. And uh, the mission of ARSA is to advance education, Arizona's rural education community. And our vision, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it because I don't want to paraphrase it. I want to make sure that that we get it right. Um, as the premier rural schools association, the Arizona Rural Schools Association uses its expert voice to advocate for rural schools in Arizona, improve outcomes for all rural school students, and celebrate excellence in rural schools. So are there any areas within that mission and vision that you plan to emphasize or reinterpret or reinvigorate um, as as we look to support rural leaders across Arizona, absolutely. I remember, remember when we sat down. We were we were going through the process of developing that, and and I had a napkin on the table in front of me, and I I wrote on the napkin, you know, resources, relationships, and uh, recognitions. You know that that it's the resources, relationships, and recognitions that that we do. You know, the the teacher of the year process that we. I have really streamlined, you know, is, is a, an important part of how we uh, help to identify excellence in rural education, uh, bringing people to to the table, uh, whether that's the round table virtually or that's the conference uh, in, in Flagstaff to talk about ways to bring resources uh, through the school facilities board, through vendors, through private public partnerships, all of those things, you know, bring value 
to to what we do um, and our ability to represent those needs. And and advocacy is part of that. Um, it's it's a tricky part because uh, rural Arizona is a broad spectrum, um, and and there's there's a lot of you know differentiation between the needs of schools. Um, you know, some of some of our very small, um, you know, schools in in Yavapai County have have needs that you don't find in Cochise County, and vice versa. Um, you know, large schools uh, in Yuma County, you know, many times don't even see themselves as rural. Uh, but boy, if you, you know, when you when you put them on the spectrum of urban to rural for the nation. Clearly, their interests are more aligned with the rest of rural Arizona than they are with Baltimore or San Diego, and, yes. and so. But their differences, are, their their needs are very different from from a Ganado or a, a Skull Valley. Um, so, so we we have to be careful that we don't adopt a lot of positions that alienate people and and leave people feeling like, wow, that's that's not good for me, uh, and so. My my approach to advocacy and, and the approach to advocacy that that I have uh, advocated for within ARSA uh, for quite a while now is is a more of a grassroots approach, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and I think that's really important because school leaders um, a lot of times principals see themselves as as that apex leader within within their world. Um, that that everything is not to say beneath them because it's not a judgy kind of a thing, but it's not you know, but it's stuff they're responsible for. It's it's right. it's downhill from them, and and really there are lots of opportunities for superintendents uh, and other education leaders, uh, teachers and um, principals, and and you know even even people in support roles. But there there are opportunities for them to lead up the you know, the decision-making pyramid and how can we as an organization help them both to understand those opportunities and then to capitalize on those mm-hmm. opportunities. That's, that's the key for me is, you know, providing that. I mean, that's where our advocacy effort can exceed what anybody else, um, you know, in, in the rural sphere or even in the, in the Arizona education policy sphere, is is doing i believe so well and and to to expand on that point a little bit um you mentioned the winter advocacy workshop that we just hosted it was an inaugural workshop it's something that we'd never tried before and we have also relied on the expertise of our newly seated policy expert do you want to talk a little bit about um, the workshop and some of the things that diane is doing uh, that can really help with that grassroots effort that you're talking about. Absolutely. No, this is this was a wonderful thing that that you and Diane put together uh, for membership. That you know, it it's something we haven't done before, but it, it, at least not in such a, a direct and organized way. Um, and a lot of that goes back to the fact that you know we haven't had somebody with Diane's expertise. I mean, Diane Smith comes to us with you know. I mean, 30 plus years of education right. policy uh, experience <laughs> and a lot of experience in helping education leaders 
um, to to be better advocates. And so that was that was a great opportunity for us to to again, you know, see and 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 meet a need. Um, and it it also dovetails really well with the work that that you have done and that ours has done with the Borderlands Rural Teacher Caucus, uh, which is a wonderful group of teacher leaders. You know, again, I always I always try to, to to speak to education leaders, not just superintendents, not yeah. just you know, because really there there are people with the heart for uh, making the difference in in every corner of of a rural school. Our goal has to be to to bring them out, empower them. Uh, and that's really what that workshop was all about. It was about how do we empower those those education leaders to to do that that grass works grass yeah grassroots grassroots that's the term I'm looking for yeah <laughs> grassroots. So, are there other avenues or other opportunities that you can think of that potentially we might be able to offer membership? I know that we've talked about uh, maybe involving operations and facilities directors or business managers because the, as you noted, the needs of rural communities are very different than those of their urban and suburban counterparts. Um, what are your thoughts around that? You no, know, I. My my thoughts around any any idea is let's let's go start having those conversations. Um, you know, I <clears throat> I was able to attend the Cochise County uh, Superintendents Group meeting uh, last week. Um, the Graham Greenlee Group met this week. Uh, you know, there there are gatherings of education leaders happening around the state. Uh, almost constantly. The good news is that many of them are on Zoom, uh, which mm -hmm. means that, you know, if, if we want to engage with them and we do, it's not that it doesn't require lots of math. Then again, um, I think, you know, one of, one of the big changes that we're seeing going into 2024 is that we're willing to, to put on the miles too, um, because there, there really is a need uh, to get out there and listen. So I think <laughs> that, we we're definitely in a position to make those kinds of changes and, and expand those kinds of offerings to to bring in you know support people um, you know to help districts uh, work on solutions to you know their transportation challenge. Transportation is a huge challenge for rural districts. Uh, we know that we know that because a bus drivers are hard to find mm -hmm. and B, keeping buses on the road is hard. Mm -hmm. um, because its mechanics are hard to find, and so you know there there isn't a rural district in the state that probably isn't struggling in one way or another. But at the same time, you've got a hundred and twenty five rural districts that are each working to find solutions to those problems. And you know, like our logo says, we're stronger together, and it's the ability to to bring people to the table and have conversations about, hey, what are what are they finding works in Round Valley? What are they finding works in Parker? Because those solutions may be exactly what the superintendent in Bisbee uh, or or Aho is looking for. Mm -hmm. And you know, so that's that's got to be our goal as an association is you know to help all of those leaders 
who are struggling day in and day out to solve all of those problems to have more opportunities to come to the table with other people who have the same struggles, who are finding solutions that they may be able to take back to their district to improve the quality of education for rural kids. Good point. So as far as um, doing some needs sensing, which is uh, one way to say we want to collect data <laughs> from our from our leaders across the state, and we want to make sure that it's a two-way communication as well, so we're providing information to them as well. What do you see the um, mechanisms that we might be able to use to ensure that there is that two-way communication between the association and membership? Well, I mean, you know, you've got your old school approaches. Um, you know, ARSA still has a quarterly newsletter, um, and there are uh, regular submissions to that from, you know, we've, we've traditionally had submissions from vendors that are in, in the space helping to solve problems. Uh, those, those are things that we provide to, to leaders, um, and, and we want to make sure that we are capitalizing on the value of, of that. Uh, both by by listening um, to what the needs are, and, and then uh, making sure that we're we're soliciting you know those those kinds of submissions, <clears throat> um, and then you know you've got the 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 high tech new school approach of you know we we do the the monthly roundtables um, that give superintendents the opportunity to to get on uh, with with people who. Uh, are in a position to make a difference, but who need to hear what the challenges are, uh, whether that's, you know, uh, Senate Education Chairman Ken Bennett uh, or uh, House uh, Education uh, Policy Analyst Sean McCarthy. Um, you know, we bring these people to the table so that they can, A, share with the leadership what they feel is going on, and B, so they can hear uh, what the concerns are. Um you know, and, and that's been wonderful. We've seen lots of really positive changes come out of that. Um, you know, our state accountability system uh, has been dramatically influenced by those conversations uh, with with folks like uh, Dr. Sean Smith at the department, um, Sean Ross at the State Board of Education. You know, they they hear what what our members tell them in those meetings. Um, and then, and then they take it back and filter it in the processes. So that's that's one way that we help to see. Okay, what are your challenges? What? Um, but I really feel like you know, I mean, it's the face to face. It's it's the getting together, whether that's uh, in Flagstaff uh, at the annual conference, whether that's on the golf course, or that's in the um, reception halls. You know, during that, or you know, the the conversations i mean most of the breakouts that we do have have a strong you know deliberative uh, basis that's kind of a lot of what we look for um you know we want presenters that will start conversations not just sit and get um you know and and then we also meet you know we meet in in june uh mm -hmm. you know and, and we have our, our membership meeting that's Kind of, you know, it takes takes us aside a little bit. You know, we do it early in the morning because we're rural and we don't <laughs> mind early in the morning so much. Um, you know, and, and we do the same thing in December. Uh, you know, but uh, but those those meetings, you know, really again provide those rural superintendents with the opportunity to kind of to form those relationships um, and to 
to share the resources that they've developed and the resources that they've found. So, and and just to follow up on that, one of the things that uh, I'm pushing out that I want to make sure that we're getting feedback on whether or not it's effective is a weekly newsletter that's coming out to all of our membership. And right now, um, we're pushing out that that communication to anyone that signs up. You don't have to be rural. You can just be a rural advocate and a rural supporter of education. And um, we welcome those people that want to learn more about what's going on in rural education. And then the other thing too, Sean, that I think is of value is the uh, information that Diane Smith is going to be starting to send out regarding what's happening in the legislative session and with state board. Yeah. She sent out she sent out her first legislative update. It's uh, going out today. So, yeah, yep. so that goes out today. And you know, that's that is such a tremendous resource. I mean, there are seven hundred plus bills in the Arizona legislature right now and and enabling again, enabling that grassroots effort by by helping those leaders to sift out uh, what are what are the things that, that they really might care about. Um, so that they can then, you know, look and, and what are the things that are that are immediately on the horizon? I mean, it's tough when, you know, sometimes you don't get those agendas until a couple of days before the hearing. But, but I, I so much appreciate the opportunity to get the information ahead of the hearing instead of just receiving information where they say, oh, hey, guess what happened yesterday that might affect you going forward, and your ability to influence it is now, you know, that ship is set, right? Uh, and, and I, I feel like that's what what we're doing. What we're doing is really important, and, and Diane's work is so so helpful. And the fact that we're able to provide that to to such a I mean, she's been doing it for years for a, a much smaller audience, um, and and now we're able to to basically say, hey, you know, all all of the rural districts in the state now have the opportunity to receive that excellent information from Diane Smith. And to follow up on that, um, obviously we started the legislative session January 8th. And so we are in full swing. And I know that Diane has been um, pretty busy down at the Capitol talking with people and uh, providing information around uh, rural uh, things that might impact rural education to us that we'll we'll be pushing out as Sean mentioned. But um, as, as far as some specific items or bills that you're watching, things that might be of concern for our rural educators, what are those things that are rising to the surface of concern for you? You know, I, I don't know. Um, there's there's always things in the Arizona legislature that, that you know, are, are a source of concern. Um, you know, the, the, the budget is always the biggest one. Um, you know, we, we do have a bit of a budget crisis going on uh, right now. And, and we've got a lot of partisan finger pointing going on as far as, you know, what the what's and why fors of, of the current situation. Um, none, none of which really, you know, helps kids, mm-hmm. uh, but, but we do, we do want to see, see things before um you know for for me uh i'm i'm really interested in the conversation about school finance reform 
And I feel like that's something that is an opportunity. And it's also an, an interesting challenge because it's a proposal that that we've watched evolve over the last three years, uh, three sessions. And and it's uh it's something that the, the the majority of the beneficiaries are going to be your rural districts. Uh the the ones who have reason to be concerned would be those that struggle with uh, making hard decisions about pursuing uh, overrides in the in your metropolitan districts, mm-hmm. and and I'm not a huge fan of you know pursuing you know policy uh, or or deciding that one thing's better than the other based on whether or not it does or doesn't make someone's job you know more difficult. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I I understand. I understand. You know, if you've got to if you got to take a stand on something, you know. That's a reason why you pick a side, but as far as what you can say is a good or a bad idea, um, you know, but yeah, there's, and then there's, there's other things. Um, the K3 reading program, I mean, we've got changes coming on that people should be concerned about. Um, House Bill 2675, uh, something that the people should be, you know, looking at and, and considering how how it will affect uh, their district and, and their, you know, and, and it affects letter grades. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it, it gets rid of the letter grade nation not related to many things, and then, and just basically changed it to some performance classifications. It's it's kind of kind of messy. Um, something that I definitely will be looking at closely, given. You know, my involvement with accountability. Um, mm-hmm. That's really not something we've talked about. You know, that's, but <laughs> it, it it dovetails with my enrollment with my participation in ARSA because it was it was Don German who first pointed me in the direction of ADF accountability and said, mm-hmm. "Hey, you know, hey Sean, please go go look at this through the lens of a rural superintendent and then contribute." To the process, um, so that those needs are are represented, um, and that was again back seven plus years ago, yes. and I'm still involved with accountability, and uh, but it's so much fun, you know. But uh, so yeah, so that's that's one of the things that's going on in the legislature now. Legislature now, they they are looking at those kinds of things, and I'm a staunch conservative, and I'm I'm a a big proponent of the fact that if if it doesn't have to be something that the legislature is involved in, it's probably something legislature shouldn't be involved in. Um, and that's something that that resonates with a lot of rural uh, legislators. Um, it's often easier to talk them out of getting involved with something than it is talking them into getting involved with something, uh, which I appreciate as long as I'm not trying to get something changed. Well said. So we know that there are some um, successes that are happening in our rural school communities all over the state, but there's also some challenges and barriers to success as well. Um, Knowing that you have two sides of that coin, what do you envision rural education in Arizona looking like in three to five to 10 years, right? If you had a crystal ball, (laughs) what, 
you know, what, what would you say are, are going to be some things that uh, we've done well? And what are some things that we're still going to need to continue to, to advocate around? And to follow up on that, um, what do you see, what, what do you want your legacy to be as the ARSA president? If you had to, if you had to say, okay, during the next two years, while I'm the ARSA president, I really want to make sure that ARSA is able to tackle this big, hairy problem and have a positive outcome, or that you want to be able to, you, you go back to your three R's, those recognitions, resources, and whatever the other one was. Relationships, relationships. Um, two, what, two R's is easy. That third R, that and it's never the same R. one, but it catches you all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> so those are two. Those are two very weighty questions. They uh, are. And no, no softballs here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the biggest challenge facing rural schools and their ability to provide a quality education to children has been and continues to be the 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 teacher uh, recruiting and retention uh, problem <clears throat> and i and i know you know you were able to participate in governor hobbs's uh, teacher recruiting and retention task force mm -hmm. uh, and thank you for for the time you invested in that um i i don't know I haven't seen any solutions that I think are are long term, like turn the boat around solutions. You know, we we have the problem that we have, and we've had the problem that we have for 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. In rural Arizona. That's yep. and that's the kicker. And and a lot of the solutions are like, oh well. We're going to address the, the last five years of the problem. You know, and there's things that, oh, if we had done this, you know, and, and I think they are making the situation a little bit better, which in some ways is good and in some ways is bad. Um, I think it's bad because we're we're seeing progress, but we're not solving the fundamental problem, which is there's a decline in the number of people and the percentage of the population that want to go into education that mm -hmm. see it as a fulfilling way to you know to to meet their extrinsic and intrinsic needs um i think if you go back 50 years you find that the opportunities for someone who might be inclined to go into teaching were much narrower and over the last 50 years, with the expansion of, uh, really the expansion of, of technology, uh, the technology industry, uh, as well as healthcare, and all of the positions that are available. I mean, think about, there, there were no MRI machines 50 years ago. Right. I mean, you know, all of, all of those positions in healthcare uh, and all these specialized trades that have developed, I mean, I mean, just genetics, holy cow. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I can guarantee that, you know, my grandparents had maybe, maybe one genetic screening in their entire lives. Um, and, and in this day and age, you know, every time you go to the doctor, you're like, oh, well, let's do a genetic screening to see if this might work or let's see, you know. So, so I guess my point is, as all of that expands, 
the percentage of the population that says, hey, teach, I want to be a teacher. Now they have other options on the table. And some of them pick those other options. And so we just we just don't have as many people wanting to go into teaching. So so we have a fundamental teacher shortage. Mm-hmm. And the system that we have, this this one teacher to every 22.7 kids or whatever it is, right? I mean, that system isn't isn't going to be sustainable. Right. And so so you have to be able to to recognize you're gonna have some people that you know maybe you know can do things to help children learn, but aren't gonna become that you know, that seasoned veteran teacher who, you know, wants to be nationally board certified and get a master's degree in curriculum and instruction and and be be the expert that that child needs. What do we see right now? People get in the classroom, they teach for a little while, they decide they want to become an expert. And as soon as they're an expert, we take them out of the classroom and we put them into a TOSA position or an admin position or an ADE position at the state level. Um and and then you know we we've we've again we've we've just exacerbated the problem. So so I think there needs to be there's going to have to be some fundamental shifts in our in the way that we educate children. Um, I think there are lots of things that are happening right now, um, and and this is a really really exciting time to to look at um, at education. Uh, you know, there's, I mean, obviously online tools are huge uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, uh, like Elevate K-12 uh, and, and what Shaylee over there has done with developing um, platforms for teachers to provide instruction remotely. And that's worked in lots of schools in Arizona uh, that can't find a, a full-time teacher in the classroom, but need uh, somebody who's an expert in how to get kids to learn to read or how to get kids to learn algebra. Um, you've got... Uh, you know, the, now just over the last year, the explosion in artificial intelligence tools. Uh, ASU uh, has a, a wonderful uh, convening that they're doing next month uh, for teachers and education leaders to help them to to understand those tools. And they've got some some of the leading experts in the country are, are right here in Tempe, uh, figuring out you know how how to make these things uh, work. Um, you know, we've. In Arizona, you know, we've we're we're in the middle of this battle over ESAs, uh, the mm-hmm. empowerment scholarship accounts, where basically a parent can get, um, you know, ninety percent of the of what the state would spend to educate their child in a school, and then they can use that money however they want. Uh, that's that's causing an increase in homeschooling, um, but it's it's also you know leading to this this explosion especially in the rural areas of, of micro schools yeah uh, these tiny schools that come in and I think you know like like anything else we saw this when charters first started back in the 90s where all of a sudden and you got tons of people that that just jump into the space um and then over a period of of a couple of years I mean in the case of charter schools I think it was probably five to seven years you really saw the winnowing out of the the chaff on that um but i think it'll happen much faster with micro schools uh, because you know their their market-based accountability is is going to become apparent to to parents you know if if students aren't aren't making the learning gains but i also think that there's there's some groups out there 
um, some in a in a very secular way, and, and some you know focusing on, on Christian education, uh, you know, soaring uh, or kaipod that are working with would be uh, micro school operators to provide them with quality training and really to, to pr- provide an opportunity. Their, their target audience is teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to, they want to get teachers who want to be in education, but don't want to deal with working for a school and don't want to deal with all the headaches that come with, you know, the challenges of IDEA special education and, you know, the, the discipline practices, they, they just want the freedom to educate kids. You know, we know that Arizona has an enormous population of certified teachers that aren't working in education. That's right. That is, that is a, a an opportunity that could, could, could very well explode. Um, and what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, how does that reshape what public schools do? Because there are things a micro school can't provide. Mm-hmm. And and those things, you know, people may make want to come to their public school for say, hey, you know what, I I can't really get a good CTE program. You know, they they don't my my micro school. You know, my my teacher. You know, that that works with my kid. My teacher tutor doesn't have the school the the tools to teach welding, but I can take it or diesel mechanic or electrical engineering or you know. Um, or maybe even calculus, you know, I mean, where, where there are limits, you say, okay, what, where, where are the opportunities? I mean, and parental choice is going to shape, uh, educational, uh, outcomes in Arizona. It has for the last 30 years yep. and it will continue for the next 30 plus years. Um, and we, we have to be, we have to be prepared for that. So, so you know, you, you ask what what do I where do I see education uh, three five ten years down the road? Um, I see, I see a, an educational environment where students work with a a teacher tutor, either in a classroom or in a private environment or in a church, you know. But <clears throat> they work with them uh, to facilitate their learning. Um, and that, you know, technology becomes much more important on the content delivery side. Mm. So, uh, yeah. but, but again, in the ability to pursue and, and where, I mean, it, it, you look at, uh, you know, like parts of, you know, Southeast Asia, uh, where, where, you know, educational outcomes are, you know, often compared to American educational outcomes. The big difference there is, you know, you you have to care. I mean, you have to care about the quality of education your yeah. child gets, and your child has to care about the quality of education they get if they are going to have the opportunities for a prosperous life. True. And, and that's that's a dynamic that you know makes all the difference. And in America, sometimes people send their kids to school and they don't really care what happens. Once they're just glad that they're not, you know, still home for Christmas break. Um, you know, we always joke the parents, we bus maybe 5% of our kids to school in the morning. Parents are more than happy to drop them off, but we have to run, 
we have to run an extra bus route in the afternoon to take them home because <laughs> we've got five bus loads full of kids because they don't come back to get them. We got to deliver them at the end of the day. <laughs> so, you know, That's but, funny. but yeah. And as far as my legacy goes, a wise man once told me that, that the key is to, to listen, to innovate and to serve. And that's why, I mean, I, I see lots of things happening. I see lots of opportunities happening. Um, I, there's no, no one size fits all solution. Uh, and so my goal is to be able to, to visit with, with educational leaders around rural Arizona, um, mm-hmm. to, to listen to what, what their needs are, uh, what their challenges are, uh, and to help them to find solutions to, to those challenges. Um, so that, so that maybe I can help them to help the children in their communities uh, to become, you know, to better access prosperity. It's worthy goals, worthy goals. Well, thanks for spending a little bit of time with me and we'll have to do this again, just so we can make sure that our membership knows how things are progressing as we work our way through the next couple of years. Absolutely. No, any, any time, Melissa. I, I appreciate the opportunity and, and I'm glad to, to have the time to, to visit about this. And I, I hope that I hope that as people, you know, listen to this and they think, hey, I want I want to tell them, you know, I want to tell Sean this or I want to tell Melissa that they know, you know, we're we're very easy to reach. Yep. Um, you know, that basically if you if you Google Pima School Superintendent and you call the number that's on the screen, um, it'll forward to my cell phone. Ooh, and, you just you know, put it out there. Now they're going to be well, calling. That's wonderful. That's right. <laughs> but, but that's why I do it because, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the goal, um, you know, to be open to communication, to be open yep. to the, to the ideas that other people have. I, I, I'm a, a huge proponent of, you know, Isaac Newton's, you know, you know, we uh, a pygmy standing on the shoulders of giants can see further than giants can. And uh, I've never, never pretended to be anything more than a pygmy, but I always try to find the tallest giants I can to stand on the shoulders of. Uh, so, good way to do it. Well, thanks, John. Thank you so much for listening to The Rural Scoop. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, or even leave us a comment. And be sure to follow on Twitter at Dr. Sadorf. That's D-R underscore S-A-D-O-R-F so that you never miss a new release. You can also check out previous episodes of The Scoop wherever you get your podcasts. Production support for The Rural Scoop is provided by Chattanooga Podcast Studios. Find out more at ChattanoogaPodcastStudios.com. See you next time for more great discussions about rural education. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.